Sons of Saturday, Virginia Tech Hoops pod. Adam, I'm going to start this with a true or false statement. True or false, Virginia Tech is a tournament team. Ooh, that, I didn't. I wasn't prepped on this question. I didn't know which direction you were going. I figured. I got, I got another one. I got, listen, listen. I got. I got another one right after this. So I that, figured it'd be along those lines. Oh, that's so hard. Um, I'm going to go with yes. By they're going to squeak in uh, like a backdoor tournament team on the bubble. Um, I'm going to go with yes for now. I'm not ready to dig a grave on this team yet. Like a lot of people are, but I, I'm, I'm going to go with yes. Okay. That's, that's where I'm at too. Now, true or false. Naheem Aline should remain in the starting lineup. Uh, yeah. I figured we would talk about this the entire podcast pretty much. We're going to, <laughs> I don't think we really need to get into the, the nitty gritty of either of the last two games, but I'm going to say yes, but he's got a short leash. Darius Max needs to play more. Um, yeah, one way or the other, Darius Max needs to play more. Agree. Yeah. So we we talked about this on the last podcast. How if you put Darius Max in the starting lineup, and and it, this might have been brought up in one of the the Twitter spaces too. That, that's actually where I think it was brought up. It was brought up in a Twitter space recently. I think it was after the Cornell game, uh, where there was a discussion being had about whether or not Darius Maddox with his hot shooting should be inserted into the starting lineup. And Ed, I think your argument was. You could make the argument yes, but also you could understand why Mike Young was not doing that. Explain to the listeners why you believe Mike Young has not put Darius Max in the starting lineup. I think there's a couple of different things. And I, you know, preseason in our very first podcast, I I was an advocate for Darius Max starting. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't at the expense of Naheem Aline, though. I would have had Hunter Couture coming off the bench. That right. has proved to not be something that you can even consider at this point with the way Hunter Couture is playing all around on both ends of the floor. Um, he's just too valuable to not play those minutes. Um, I also was operating under the assumption at the time that Naheem Aline would be the primary defender on the best team ball handler. And that hasn't been the case either. That's been Hunter Couture. Right. Um, the case for why you could or couldn't do something like that is whose game is more all around complete right now at this point in their career. And I think the answer is still Naheem Aline defensively. Um, I think Darius Maddox provides a little bit of what Jalen Cohn did uh, in a more diverse way where he's coming in with the intention of scoring and scoring only. Um, And I think that's a good place for him to be right now in his career. Uh, He doesn't have to worry about, you know, guarding the best teams or second best team player on the other team's primary ball handler, that kind of thing. Defensively, uh, he just has to kind of come in, play his game, take open shots, make open shots. And he's done a good job of that so far, albeit in very quick bursts. Uh, we're not seeing him play, you know, extended minutes uh, where he can kind of get into a groove and have that 15 point outbreak type of game. I mean, he's going to kind of hover in that six to eight point range. Um, and if he can do that consistently throughout the rest of the year and the continues to struggle the way he has, then, yeah, you maybe consider making that move. But for now, you've got him coming into the game with a lot less on his mind than if he was the starter uh, where he can kind of come in right now and just be free flowing and play the game. And with the objective of scoring, kind of the way Jalen Cohn used to be, um, I think Naheem Aline's got a lot more to worry about as a starter and a veteran on this team. Um, but for now, I think Darius Maddox is in a good role. I would love to see that role expand a little bit more, but I think the role he's in is well suited for the point he's at in his career. All right, so we expand Darius Maddox's role at the expense of who? Um, 
Storm Murphy and Naheemaline, a combination of the two of them. I agree. I don't think I don't think you can just cut Naheem's minutes in half because then you know how is he ever going to get going if he's not right. playing? I agree. Um, but I, I also think it's think kind of a combination I, I, of things. And and I also think he's got enough of a ceiling offensively, Naheemaline, where you don't want to cut his minutes in half necessarily. I mean, it's easy for us to sit here after he goes one for ten against Dayton and be like, yeah, let's cut his minutes in half. But we know what he's capable of doing shooting wise. We've seen him shoot the ball well for, for stretches this year, for, for stretches of games. Like he strung them together. He's also had a string now the last few games and then the first few games of the year where he didn't shoot the ball well. So he's been very up and down all year, but I don't think you necessarily want to cut his minutes in half or anything like that. No, I think that's a combination of a few minutes from Storm, a few minutes from Naheem, and you get Darius into that 15-minute night type range, 15-20 maybe even. Uh, that's a good place to find ourselves. But, um, but then you run into the issue of who's your primary ball handler. And it, I don't think the answer can be Hunter Couture this year. Um, it, it just completely takes away what he's good at if he has to be the primary ball handler. And I don't know that Darius Maddox is ready for that. Um, I think maybe next year that could be something we could see a lot more of. But Sean Padula's game is coming along pretty well, too. Um, and I don't think Mike Young wants to get himself in a position where he's got Sean Padula and Darius Maddox on the floor together for extended I agree. periods of time. So I agree with that. It's tough because both those guys need to play more. Um, I think Sean Padula raises the ceiling of this team significantly. Um, he's just a better point guard than Storm Murphy is at this level. He's not much bigger, but he's bigger. Um, I think he sees the floor really well, and he hasn't shown that he is not afraid of anything. He's just going right to the rack, um, making good plays. He's still, you know, has had some turnover issues, but so is Star Murphy. So at this point, um, who's been playing better? Who's who is it making the team play better? Uh, I saw the plus minus for Storm and for Sean Padula, and it was night and day. I mean, the team is playing better when Sean Padula is on the floor. Uh, that could be for a variety of reasons, and I don't think it's time to pull the plug quite yet on Storm. But man, we're getting there. There have been some guys who have disappointed on this team so far this year. We talked about Aline, but considering what the expectations were for Storm Murphy and how quick the fan base was to just run off with Bissabiti, this has been a really uh, – it's been a colossal disappointment at point guard. Yeah, I don't claim to be like Larry Brown or, um, you know, Greg Popovich by any means, but I think I know a little bit about basketball and the idea that we just – this fan base just rode off with Bissabiti so quickly just looking at one statistic – and not understanding everything that he brought to the table for this team. Um, it's really disappointing because I think we would be, what are we in our last four against good teams? One and three. Right. One and four now. Um, who are we, we counting against not, the, who are we counting as the one good win? Cornell? Maryland. Maryland. I would say it was the Maryland. one good win. Yeah. Uh, Maryland just beat a good Florida team up in they Brooklyn. Did. So I think they did. the Turgeon hangover is done and hopefully they can play better basketball, but now you lose to Memphis, you lose to Xavier, you beat Maryland, and now you lose to Dayton. Um, I think at the very least, if we have obesity, we're splitting there, if not three and one. Right. Um, what people don't understand about BD, and I think I may have even downplayed this, the impact of losing Tyrese Radford would have is those two guys brought a level of uh, consistency and a calming factor to the rest of the team. Every single game we've lost is because we've gotten down double digit in the first half, including Dayton in a game that we stormed back and almost stole. Um, that doesn't happen with veteran point guards who are a common force the way Wabi Sabidi is and the way Tyrese Radford was for this team. 
I don't think we lose both those guys. I don't think we lose all these games. Uh, right now, this team has had a serious problem with like just poor, poor stretches on both ends of the floor and not being able to get out of that rut quick enough to the point where they're pretty much buried in the first half. And I don't think that happens with those two guys. So that's what this team is missing tremendously right now. Storm has not been able to provide that, unfortunately, up until this point. And Aline hasn't really taken the step forward in his maturity of his game to be the guy who can calm down those stretches either. Because it's just these like 10-minute rocky stretches that have just killed this team in the last three weeks now. Sorry, I know this is a basketball podcast, but Virginia Tech's hiring Brad Glenn as quarterbacks coach and passing oh, game cool. coordinator from Georgia State. And they put together some pretty good offenses. And we called this in our in our Slack about a week ago. So oh yeah, I'm reading our Slack now currently. Yeah. And shout out to Chris Himes. He says now announce Bo Nix and let's go. Yeah. So there we go. Um Back to basketball. Sorry, little little live live action there at you know a little after eleven here on on Thursday as we record here. Uh, okay, so I, I want to get back to uh, the point guard conversation. Continue the point guard conversation. So BD brought a level of intensity defensively that I think Virginia Tech has missed out of their backcourt so far. And I think by losing Radford, I think you bring up a good point. We talk about the calming presence on both ends of the floor. I think it's a really good point offensively we knew Radford was the guy who push came to shove Virginia Tech needed a bucket he was the guy who was going to slash the hoop and get the basket right we, we knew that he was that guy and Virginia Tech has been kind of searching for that guy for for most of this year offensively uh from from a from a defensive standpoint what I think losing Radford does and losing what Bisabidi does it lowers the ceiling of this team defensively which I think we we assumed coming into the year, but it was kind of a wait and see based on, okay, what's Storm Murphy going to provide on the defensive end of the floor? No, he's not going to be with Bisabidi. Can he be half of that, right? Can he be half of that? So it's not a, a total net negative. Keve Aluma has been very up and down defensively on the block. He's had stretches where he's played very well. He's had stretches where he's played poorly. Uh, Justin Mutz is likely the best front court defender Virginia Tech has. and He's been up and down for stretches this year as well. Hunter Couture has been the most consistent defender. Aline's been fine. I'm worried about this team's defense, and it's not because of the players on it. I acknowledge that the ceiling is lowered a bit from last year, just considering the guys who you lost, right, in Radford and Beatty specifically. But maybe more importantly, Ed, what we're seeing this year ties into your point about the calming presence, right? When, when teams go on runs where when you had BD and Radford last year, I felt like Virginia tech was more susceptible to stopping the runs of the opposition. And I mentioned this on the last podcast, but something that's concerned me watching this team play this year is that Virginia tech lets poor possessions on the offensive end of the floor, carry over to the defensive end of the floor too often. We saw that improve a bit against Cornell because Virginia Tech was able to control the tempo and, and Cornell is just not as good of a team as Dayton. But against Dayton with all their athletes and they're young and they've been up and down all year, um, they're, not a, they're not a great team, but I think they're an improving team. They're a young team kind of trying to find their way right now. But, but what concerned me is that Dayton would go on runs with their young roster and our roster containing three fifth-year seniors in the starting five 
couldn't stop them. And that's concerning where the poor offense is leading to poor possessions on the defensive end. And that has continued against good teams. And that's a concern for me. Yeah, I completely agree. And, you know, back to what I was saying about Beattie and Radford, it's like, you know, I don't view the defense as being as much of an issue because, yeah, those guys were obviously losses defensively. I'm more worried about it on the offensive side in terms of stopping a run. Like, you know, if another team's going to get hot and they're going to make a bunch of shots in a row, that's one thing. But the inability to score on our own on the other end to not let that damage get so bad during these stretch runs has been the problem that I've had. And it's just, you know, Storm hasn't provided anything offensively. When we need a shot and we need a bucket, we have to go into the paint. To Keve Aluma, who has been pretty, um, I guess, narrow-sighted when he gets the ball in those situations, he's going to the middle of the paint and he's going to shoot one or the other. Um, and Elaine hasn't been hitting shots, and Mutz has been pretty uh, disappointing for the last few weeks. He hasn't been the guy we've been accustomed to seeing him be on the offensive end of the floor. He hasn't been as versatile. And this team just starts jacking up threes. I mean, we've seen it on multiple occasions, just stretch runs where this team's just shooting threes every time down the floor in hopes that one goes in. And if you go cold, it doesn't work that way. You have to be able to be more multidimensional on the offensive end. And I think that's where Sean Padula and Darius Maddox can provide a little bit of help is those two guys have shown the will and the way to get to the basket and finish. Whereas Naheem Malin's getting to the basket, but he's having a hard time finishing around the rim. Uh, that's been a problem across the board for the starting five in general. But uh, Maddox and Padula don't seem to care about going in and getting whacked and converting. Um, and we need to be able to do that in order to open up three-point line for these really good shooters that we know we have. Um, stopping, the run, stopping these giant runs goes on both ends of the floor, right? I mean, right, you can stop course. it offensively and you can keep up with them or you can shut them down defensively. I actually have not been as frustrated with the guards on defense as I have been with the bigs. Mm -hmm. uh, Kevin Aluma at times is absolutely maddening to watch play defense because he comes off his guy to come over and help and he's so worried about getting fouls, which is fine. I mean, I understand he doesn't want to, you know, he doesn't want to, and the coaching staff doesn't want to have to sit in for fouls. But at a certain point, everyone's just coming into the paint knowing they're going to be halfway contested on the layup, and it's just too easy. Um, or he's a step late on his rotations. It's just been really frustrating to watch his game. I know he shows up in the box score with his rebounds and his right. uh, ability to score, but right. there's parts of his game that I'm sure I'm really frustrated with, and I'm sure NBA scouts are pretty frustrated with as well. Yeah, because I think the areas where NBA scouts looked at his game and said, yeah, you got to improve in these areas, I don't think he's improved in them at all. And I think in a lot of areas, he's probably regressed. So, yeah, I mean, Aluma's numbers, box score-wise, look fine. I have not been very impressed with him this year. Um, no. He's been, and, and I don't want to, you know, I don't want to pile on because I think without him, Virginia Tech would be in even worse position than they are right now. And, you know, offensively, he's been fine but defensively has been an issue. And the, the, the larger problem that I have, and you brought up with Padula and Maddox, uh, you know, not, not being afraid to drive to the hoop, get whacked, go to the free throw line, et cetera. There is a toughness, an inherent toughness that's just missing from this roster right now. Um, it's missing in the starting five. When you, when you lose Beattie and Radford, you lose that toughness. We were kind of talking around that a little bit a couple of minutes ago, but like that, that's the crux of it. Like there are times where, you know, the starting five, especially just goes a little bit soft and it's like, have some, have some toughness, right? Like we talked about with Luma on the podcast before, but like it goes one through five at times. It's like, guys, why are we letting them score that easily? You know, it's just like, have some pride in, 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 you know, performing defensively. Um, 
And yeah, we, we got offensive issues too. Something that I didn't foresee coming, <laughs> coming to be here. I thought this would be one of the best Virginia tech offenses we've seen in a while. So this is, uh, I don't want to totally sound the alarms, but let's put together a plan for improvement. I mean, we talked about Maddox getting more minutes. I think Padula needs to play more too. And if that's at the expense of Storm Murphy, I think that's probably fine. Um, now, I, I think Storm still needs to play, but I, I think Padula should be getting more run here as, as we come into tougher competition here in ACC play. We'll see if there are any tweaks to the starting lineup. I would not necessarily anticipate changes to the starting lineup, but I think you could see a change to the minutes distribution um, as far as who comes off the bench and, and how long they're in for. The one guy I can guarantee who's going to be playing a lot of minutes throughout the entirety of the season is Hunter Couture because he's bringing it most consistently on offensive, on the offensive and defensive ends of the floor. Um, he, he has been Virginia Tech's most consistent player all year. Uh, just box score aside, you know, people can look at points per game, yeah, whatever. Like box score aside, Hunter Couture has been the most consistent player on Virginia Tech's roster this year. I expect for him to continue to get 35 to 40 minutes a night. Everybody else is up for grabs, man. Like, I, I think it really is up for grabs and how they want to distribute the minutes. But really, like, Aluma and Mutz in the front court defensively are going to have to figure it out because John Ogiaco is not going to be a significant factor in the rotation in the front court moving forward. I think that's pretty clear with how Mike Young's played it recently. Um, David Gusan's going to play a decent amount, which is fine, but it's really going to be up to Aluma and Mutz as two fifth year seniors to figure it out in the front court defensively and just up the intensity a little bit. Um, and I think that's how Virginia tech gets back to playing better basketball. Yeah. And we can do this kind of one through five. So we'll start at the one and yep. you know, everybody's screaming for it. Storm hasn't been what we thought he was going to be. Um, Sean Padula has been significantly better than I thought he would have been this early in his college basketball career. Um, I don't foresee Mike Young changing the starting lineup. I think he keeps the starters the same, but you're right. I think the minutes distribution needs to be slightly tweaked and maybe in favor of Padula. Um, and more importantly than the total number of minutes, when those minutes take place is probably uh, something we should pay attention to moving forward. Is Sean Padula playing, you know, majority first half minutes or is he playing on a stretch, uh, which is something we talked about a lot last year with Hunter Couture. While he wasn't starting, he was playing those important minutes. Yep. Um, and I want to pay more attention to that moving forward and see when Sean Padula is in the game because he has been, you know, higher. He's played higher than what I had anticipated him to be. He's played at a really good level um, against good competition and we're going to need him. I think he really does raise the ceiling. If he can play significant minutes at a high level, he raises the ceiling of this team. Um, at the two, Naheem Aline continues to start for me um, with a caveat that if he's having one of those one for 10 nights and it's pretty clear it's not his day, please pull him out of the game. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Like, if he's going to come in and, you know, drop 25, that's one thing. But if he's obviously not having a good day, we need to pull the plug on that a little bit. Yeah, quicker, quicker hook. Yeah, quicker hook. Like, there's no reason to keep him in there if he's just going to play like this. Um, if he's having a good night, then keep him in, obviously. But if he's having a bad night, Darius Maddox is more than capable to come in the game and be a little bit of a spark plug there and fill in for those minutes uh, when Aline doesn't have it. Hunter yeah, he ain't going nowhere. He's been fantastic on both ends of the floor. Um, I like his, uh, he's still, you know, he showed flashes of it last year and he showed flashes of it this year, going to the basket and scoring. I'd love to see him do it more. He's pretty good at it. Um, he's a big dude, uh, physical dude. He's not just a shooter. I would love to see him go to the basket more often. 
And then at the four, Justin Mutz to me is actually somebody who I kind of would take a look at um, as we play these more physically talented teams. Um, David Gasson is not going to give you much offensively this year, although he's hit a couple shots that you know, he couldn't hit last year. Yeah, he's been okay. But defensively, he actually is a difference maker. Um, he's, he's a pretty good shot blocker. He's taller, longer dude than Mutz is and just provides more of a physical um, element to the post defense that Justin Mutz just can't at sheer out of a sheer size issue. Agreed. And Aluma's not going anywhere either. Ojiako's clearly not going to play, which is um, kind of frustrating and disappointing. I figured he'd be more of a factor at this point in his career, but that's just obviously not going to be the case. Yeah, and if he continues not to play, I mean, I wouldn't expect him to be a big part of the program moving forward. He'd likely be a transfer candidate in the offseason. We'll get to that when we get to that. But a big reason why David Gusson played last year and played more minutes at Bamisil, played more minutes at Max, was because of his defense. And his offense has taken at least a little bit of a step forward. Like you mentioned, he's hitting shots now that he wasn't hitting a year ago. So, I mean, defensively, there's a reason why you were playing him last year. So continue to play him those minutes this year. Um, I mean, I... This is a question that Mike Young needs to ask himself, and I know this is something I'm sure he and his staff are trying to work through, is how much defense are we willing to sacrifice for the sake of offense, right? And, you know, part of being a good defender is inherent, but another part of it is just, like, how hard are you going to try? How tough are you going to be? And... I don't think anybody is looking at Sean Padula and Darius Maddox at this point in their careers and saying these guys are, you know, the top two defenders on the team. But I think if you put them in the game, you're inserting toughness that you're missing right now with the backcourt. As far as the frontcourt is concerned, you know, is the answer playing David Gusan alongside Justin Mutz, right? And taking Aluma off the floor for some stretches, you know, for, for defensive prowess. I mean, that's something that, Mike Young needs to wrestle with because Aluma has been one of the more consistent players offensively. Right. So I think you kind of have to roll with the punches to some extent, like how much offense are you willing or defense are you willing to sacrifice for offense? Like, are you willing to play Max for longer stretches? If it means that defensively you take a little bit of a step back in the backcourt, is that even fair to say right now? Cause we haven't seen enough of Darius Max to know if he's going to be a good or a bad defender in comparison to Alina Storm Murphy. Like th- those are types of questions. I I'm still not sure. I can personally answer yet just because I don't think Max is getting enough miss to, you know, make a determination one way or another, but I'm sure Mike Young's seeing enough in practice to, you know, there, there's a reason why Max is being held back. I think a little bit. And I'm, and I'm assuming that's why. Yeah. I don't know what the hesitation with Maddox is other than a loyalty to the guys who are older and have played more minutes. I mean, I think, I think Maddox is the best shot taker on the team. Um, he can, hit shots that are in his game that other guys don't even consider taking or, and definitely shouldn't. Um, He's a fantastic scorer of the basketball and has just elements of his game that other guys don't. And, you know, it's tough to take a Luma out because our whole offense runs through him. Um, Hunter Couture is not getting open threes. If Kevin Luma is not on the game, um, et cetera, et cetera, it goes all the way down to everybody. Uh, The whole offense runs through Kevin Luma. So I don't know that you can take him out, but I do think, putting David Gasson in allows Aluma's offensive prowess and defensive inability to be less of an issue because Gasson's a, a better defensive eraser. Um, he can just 
you know, he covers a lot more ground. He's good on the rotations. He blocks a lot of shots. He makes life a little bit more difficult. And he rebounds the ball at a higher level. Um, Justin Mutz has really struggled as the competition has stiffened up this year, which we didn't see a lot of last year. Um, and that was another thing that was probably covered up by Tyrese Radford and Wabisa Beatty is, you know, the, the physicality and toughness factor that the only, like those three last year allowed Aline and Aluma and Couture to be the guys that they were on the offensive end is because on the defensive end, they had Justin Mutz, Wabisa Beatty and Tyrese Radford for that physicality that we just don't have this year. Mm -hmm. um, but I mean, I feel like we keep saying everything like 10 different ways at this point. It really is a physicality issue. In some games, it is a size issue. And other than that, I mean, it's it's a consistency issue on the offensive end. Um, most second half we've played. We outplayed Dayton completely in the second half in a tough road environment um, against a team that was clearly more physical than we were. And we just weren't ready for it in the first half. We weren't ready for that full court press. We weren't ready for the physicality that Dayton was going to provide. And, you know, that's partly on the coaching staff, I would say, but more on the kids. Like, you know what they're going to do. You know they're going to press. You, they've done it all year. And we just didn't handle it well. We fell into a hole that we weren't able to climb out of. And that's a theme in every loss. Right. Right. Is it fixable? Totally. There's, there's too much talent on this team for it to not be. Uh, Kevin Aluma, for all of his issues, physicality-wise and defensive-wise, is an NBA-level offensive weapon. Um, he's been really good and really consistent at scoring the basketball when he gets the opportunity to do so. Um, Hunter Couture is a fantastic college basketball player in every sense of it, um, offensively and defensively. And Naheem Aline's a very talented guy who has shown the ability to score at a very high level in the ACC and in college basketball. Storm Murphy's been an issue. Justin Mutz has been lacking the past couple weeks. Um, I think those guys have the ability to figure it out. But if they don't, you have very valid replacements in Darius Maddox, Storm Murphy, and David Gasson on the bench who, can, who are more than capable of coming in and helping when those two upperclassmen don't have their A game. Three-game stretch coming up. St. Bonaventure tomorrow. Brutal. Friday. Brutal. Yeah, yeah, brutal stretch. Uh, St. Bonaventure, neutral site, Charlotte, North Carolina tomorrow. You will be there. I will. Me and Pat will be there. You will be there with Pat. Um, at Duke, at North Carolina after that. So that's that's a schedule before New Year's. I, Virginia Tech needs to try to find a way to at least win one of these games. <laughs> I think St. Bonaventure, probably the best opportunity to do that. Yeah, but they're no slouch, man. They, they are not. Good players. They got really good guards. Jaron Holmes is really good. He's averaging like 17 a game. Kyle Lofton's coming off an ankle injury. I, unfortunately, it seems like he's going to play in this game. Uh, he was back at practice two days ago for St. Bonaventure. So I think they're going to be at full strength. Um, they're a really good team. They are coming off a loss to UConn, but UConn's a very good team as well. Um, so St. Bonaventure is no slouch. I know, you know, it's a game we should win but they've got really good guard play. That's going to be tough for Virginia Tech to handle. Um, and they've beaten some good teams already this year. And I want to go back to Dayton real quick. Sure. Everybody in the Sons of Saturday Twitter group and Slack group was losing their minds in the first half, uh, saying how bad Dayton is and we shouldn't be losing. Dayton is one. They're talented. They're not bad. They're talented and they're young. They're an extremely young team. That's what you lose the bad teams when you're young. 
uh, and an experience like that. And they've done that this year. They've lost to some bad teams. There were some games they didn't get up for that they should have. Two, they've beaten some really good teams. Right. They've beaten Miami. They beat Belmont, who's a good basketball program. They beat Kansas. So they've also shown the ability to play at that extremely high level as well yeah. as play down to their competition. So they're not a bad team. I don't view that as a bad loss. I wouldn't be surprised if they ended up having a really good year. Um, and three, that was a tough environment to play in. That was another road environment at a basketball school, packed house. That crowd looked way better than the crowd at Maryland. So tough environment too. And it was a perfect storm of a lot of things. It's not a bad loss in my opinion. It's a game you want to win, but it's not a bad loss. Right. So we need the St. Bonaventure game pretty badly in my opinion. Oh, real bad. They're, yeah. They're, they're real good. It's not going to be easy. They might be the second best team of the next three. They might be better than Carolina. We'll find out. They could be. Yeah, they could be. Don't think they're better than Duke. That Duke game, nine o'clock on a Wednesday and Cameron. Um, not looking forward to watching that. That, <laughs> that could be a rough be watch. Yeah, yeah, that might be really brutal. Um, but again, that's another team that, you know, they have their issues because they're young. They're young. They, they have a tendency to struggle because of their young and experience um they're extremely talented but we've seen it from memphis memphis is a good team with all the talent in the world but they're young and they've had their slip-ups as well just like dayton has um so that does happen in college basketball i'm not super upset about the dayton loss uh, it would have been nice to come from behind and steal it but yeah going into this next three man mike young brutal schedule man like so brutal there was no no lacking games here um in non-conference except for like the first couple after that, it's been tough, and it's only going to get tougher as you get into ACC play. Uh, and the reason, to back to your very first question, that I think this team can still make that push to the NCAA tournament is after the Duke and Carolina game, it's not as bad. No. Pretty much for the rest of the way, it's not as bad. And the ACC is not as good as it usually is. Actually, we may need to stop saying that because the ACC hasn't been that good in a couple of years. Um, but Virginia Tech is still in a position to make a run and push themselves into you know, that top five range of the ACC and make the NCAA tournament. So I'm not super, super worried yet, but it's getting close to panic button time. I mean, if Tech goes through this stretch 0-3, and then we start asking ourselves, okay, where are the good wins going to come from, right? Because the schedule isn't awful, but it is easier. It's more manageable for sure. We're still, we, we need resume building wins here. Like we need a couple. We, we don't have any yet. It's a long season, but beating St. Bonaventure would go a long way. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I'm almost planning in my head to go and three and be seven and seven and just clean slate the rest of the way. And, you know, I think if you, if you win the games, you're supposed to win in the ACC, the rest of the way, you'll make the tournament. You may not be a three seed, but you'll make the tournament. Right. Um, and I think this team has enough talent to get into the dance and do well. Um, it's just a kind of any given night and it's been a rough month, but, I think this week off could be really helpful. I'm interested to see what kind of tweaks and changes um, happen either schematically or minutes distribution wise heading into this tough stretch, but I'm not ready to bury this team yet. I know some people are. Um, I know I've got a few questions here from Steve Bryce that we hmm. have already kind of answered, but we yep. can dig into them even more. Um, but I'm not ready to bury this team yet. So I guess we can just jump right into these questions now. Yeah, Unless fire away. Anything to add? Nah, fire away. You got the questions in front of you. Yeah, so the first one he asked is, if we drop the next three in a row, which we just started talking mm-hmm. about, and he said, which is highly likely, which I agree with, we'd be 7-7, mm-hmm. 0-3 seven seven, oh in the ACC. At that point, does Mike Young start to get ready for next season by allowing Maddox, Padula, Gasson, and Ojiako an equal share of minutes? Well, he might just have to play those guys out of necessity for this season. 
Yeah, uh, maybe not. Maybe not Ojiako, but at least even Gusan Padula and Maddox. Like he might have to start playing them more out of necessity if Tech goes zero and three. Because at that point, you got to seriously evaluate whether or not your starting five is good enough, right? Which I think is yeah. the question, questions we're already starting to ask. So yeah, I think you. I don't even think you wait to go zero and three. I think you start doing it now. I mean, right? I think exactly. All, yeah. Right. All three of those guys bring something different to their game. I think Padula is a really good passer. I think it's an underrated part of his game. I think Maddox can get his shot off anytime he wants to, and he can make really, really difficult shots look pretty easy. And I think Gasan can be somewhat of an equalizer on the defensive end that Keve Aluma is not. So I think all three of those guys have aspects of their game that this team desperately needs right now. And I think don't even wait to go in three, start playing right. now. So yeah, yeah, I really like that question because that question brings a lot of the issues to the forefront that we've already spent, you know, right. 30 minutes talking about. And, so And, indir- and indirectly also, like to, to Steve's point, like it does help prepare for next season kind of indirectly totally. by trying to fix yeah. something for this season. So um, you can kind of do two birds with one stone there, get them more minutes this year, which I think the team needs now, like forget being seven and seven, zero oh and three. I think they need it now. Right. And then in addition to that, yeah, those guys will be more prepared next season, which is what we're going to need with Aluma, Mutz and, and Murphy out of the equation. And that's how good programs work. Right. Exactly. What else? And then his second question was, now that the storm we were promised during uh, <laughs> preseason has slowed down into a rain drizzle, should Padula be starting going forward? Not just to salvage this year, but then to get him prepared to lead his team for the next two. So, yeah, it's similar to the last question. I think we touched on it a little bit. I'm not ready to start Padula yet. Um, I think that's a – there's multiple level levels to that issue that come into play if you – pull a fifth year senior transfer for a freshman point guard. Um, you know, it can cause issues in the locker room. Not that I'm saying it would, not that Storm's going to pout or anything like that. I don't think he's that kind of guy. Um, but it's just, you know, I just don't think it's, it's, I don't think we're there yet, I guess. I think there's a variety of reasons I don't think we're there yet. I don't think Padula is ready for that yet either. Um, but I do think that Padula should be playing more and that point guard minute distribution should be a little bit more equal. Yeah, I agree. Um, it's it's less about who starts for me because Virginia Tech isn't falling into these holes in like the first four minutes of every game either, right? The first eight, you know, first eight minutes. It's not like it's been consistent. Yeah, Virginia Tech's fallen behind in the first half. It's not always been like right from the jump. So it's less about who starts for me. It's more about, and, and maybe I'll change my stance on that as the season goes along, right? We've talked about some tweaks that, you know, could be made to the starting lineup that might be beneficial, but uh, it's more about the minutes distribution and, and who's playing the line share of the minutes. And I think that's what needs to be evaluated first before you take all the starters off the floor. And that's keeping in mind my comment about Virginia Tech lacking a toughness right now from their starters, right? Um, that doesn't mean that, you know, me saying that, you know, Murphy, Mutz and Aluma, but especially Mutz and Aluma, you know, aren't playing to their capability or playing a little bit soft. That's not to say that I also don't think that Aluma and Mutz are two of our best players because I think they are. So do they need to play better? Yes. Should they be off the floor for long stretches? Probably not, right? But that doesn't mean that you don't play David Gusan some more minutes or Padula or Maddox and kind of even out the minutes distribution a little bit. Do we need Aluma playing 37 minutes a night? Well, it's probably going to depend on, on the matchup, right? I mean, he, he logged 37 minutes against Dayton and had a pretty decent offensive game defensively very up and down uh played better in the second half first half was rough in the front court um so that's what it's more about for me it's more about kind of 
managing the minutes a bit better. Um, maybe not giving a lean 39 minutes when he's one of 10. And he's got one of those nights that you mentioned earlier where he just simply doesn't have it offensively. And we know by watching Naheem Lee, we've seen enough of him now. It's his third year in the program. We've seen enough of him at this point where it's pretty apparent where it's not going to be his night, right? Yeah. Um, and it's pretty apparent from the jump when it is going to be his night. When he's hitting you know, three out of his first four shots, you're like, okay, well, he, he's got it right? A lean's hot, right? So leave him in. Maybe not play him 39 minutes when he's one of 10. Yeah, and I think those bad nights are directly correlated to a lack of Tyrese Radford and Dave or uh, Naheem Aline having to be that late in the shot clock, go get a shot up guy that he's just not particularly good at right now. Right. Um, Tyrese Radford was really good at that and getting to the basket or pulling up close and making a little floater. Naheem Lane's not doing that right now. And he's the only guy in that starting five that can really do that in the traditional sense. Uh, Couture's not really beating anybody off the bounce and going to the basket. Storm's not either. And when he is, he's not even shooting, um, which we can talk about briefly in a second to wrap this up. But Naheem Lane's the guy who's getting his shots up. And they're not bad shots, but they're not easy ones. And it's been, it's leading to a snowball effect of him having really bad nights. Um, and I think, you know, we need to find ways to get him going early in games with easier looks so he's not taking contested mid-range jump shots and contested step-back threes like he's had, he's had to so far this year. What do you think the confidence meter is on Storm Murphy? We should make this a, a segment on every podcast we do. We should have started this earlier. What do you think the confidence meter, 1 through 10, 10 being the highest, is on Storm Murphy right now, like three and a half? It can't be very high. He's passing up shots that – I mean, are well within his realm of makeability. I mean, he's passing up wide open looks. Um, I think, you know, I, we talked about this a little bit last week. I think he's seeing ghosts. I think he's had a couple shots so far this year get blocked that weren't getting blocked in the SOCON. Um, and I think he, it, that is leading to a pretty diminishing um, level of confidence. And, you know, it's really frustrating because there are shots he can take. And then you'll see him take you know, a step back mid-range jumper at the end of the shot clock and nail it. And then the next possession down, he'll pass up a wide open look. And it's just like, what are we doing here? Like he's too good of a player to be passing up open looks and we need him to make, take and make those shots um, if he's going to keep playing. And Sean Badula has shown no um, hesitancy to take and make open shots. So now, if one of them's doing it and one of them's not, we got to start playing the one who's doing it. And that's right. Sean Badula so far this year. I think Storm will figure it out. But, yeah, that confidence can't be very high right now. He's definitely seeing ghosts out there. Yeah, the good news for Storm Murphy is next year when he's playing pro ball in, like, Greece or, you know, uh, Taiwan or something, uh, they're probably not going to be blocking those shots like they are in the ACC. So, he'll be That's back to sure. SOCON level of, of, of basketball in, in terms of that. But, yeah, it, on a more serious note, he does need to get out just of his own head. Shots. Get out of his own head, which just take the open shots. Yeah, don't worry about your shot getting blocked. If you're driving to the hoop, you're afraid to get blocked. I guess that's one thing, but he's passing up open threes. And, uh, I mean, we legitimately just can't have that happen. He's one of the best shooters on the team. We, we can't have him not shooting threes. Yeah, he's passing up shots that Beatty would pass up, except for Storm can make them. So right. Right. we need him to make them so that the other guys are open. And that was right. the problem with Beatty is he wouldn't even take them. Actually, honestly, I think Beatty probably took more threes than Storm has this year. Um which just can't happen with a talented shooter like that. He's got to get the ball up and have confidence in his ability because it's there. Right. Yeah. Where BD had that Rajon Rondo shooting gene. Yeah, the and, hesitancy. And Murphy 
has that too now, except he can actually shoot. So it's a bigger problem. Uh, all right, let's wrap up with this uh, because I we'll try to record. We'll try to record next week, but it's the week of Christmas. So we'll see what's, we'll see what's going on. I'll have, I'll have more free time at work. So I'm sure we'll get a recording in, but yeah. does Virginia tech beat St. Bonaventure on Friday? Yeah, I think they do. I think they bounce back in a big way. Um, I don't know what the minutes, I don't know if or what the changes will be in terms of minutes, but I think they play really well. Um, they got to guard Jaron Holmes and Kyle Lofton, though, because those two can fill it up in a hurry. But I think this is a game that Virginia Tech is able to bounce back after the time off and figure things out and right the ship. Um, I'm hoping to see a elevated level of intensity on the defensive end um, across the board. But I think if they can do that and avoid these debilitating bad stretches in the first half where they go down double digits, I think they can win this game in Charlotte. Does the game on, I'm going to ask you another question. You're probably not going to fall for it. Does the game on Friday have any bearing on the North Carolina or the Duke games following it? No, I don't think so. I don't think a neutral site game against St. Bonaventure compares to a nine o'clock tip on ESPN at Cameron. I, uh, I, think, I think it's a different <laughs> world. I agree with your answer, but you took it a little bit different direction. I was just going to say this team's so hot and cold right now, game to game. I mean, there is no moment. Well, it's just all well there's game. that too. Yeah. Yeah, so. there's that too. All right. So we'll see how Virginia Tech performs on Friday. Their area is still for improvement. Uh, we're kind of in the same spot we were a week ago when we talked. Let's see if it's any better next week when we discuss it before Christmas. Ed, appreciate it, man. We'll talk next week. <laughs>